This is The Guardian. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. Two down, one to go for Manchester City. The scoreline doesn't look as comfortable as it was as Pep wins the first ever Manchester Derby FA Cup final. Ilkay Gundogan with a banger after 12 seconds and a bobbly shinner 50 minutes later. Bruno Fernandes scored one of those penalties and United did create a few chances late on, but the gulf we all knew existed between the two sides was there on show. Speaking of trebles, it's a bittersweet one for Celtic as they lift the Scottish Cup. With everyone expecting Ange Postacoglu to move on, there is still obviously time for Spurs to Spurs this appointment up. Karim Benzema's the latest star to take the Saudi gazillions, the all-new Chinese Super League. Does that mean Kane to Madrid? Barca stage a great comeback to win the Women's Champions League. We'll pay a bit more attention to the England World Cup squad too. And also Zlatan's retirement, last gasp excitement in Belgium, another vasectomy and a gladiator's bombshell. All that plus your questions on today's Guardian Football Weekly. on the panel today. Barry Glendening, hello. Hi, Max. Hello, Troy Townsend. Hi, Max. Hello, Robin Cowan. Good morning, Max. Uh, so Pep has become the third manager in English football to win the league and FA Cup double in multiple seasons after Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger. City just one game away from the treble. Alan says, did Gundogan score the fastest and slowest FA Cup final goals ever? <laughs> um, and there is 12 seconds, Barry. A, a, goal, a goal that early is... It's always weird, isn't it? Like nobody's ready for it. Yeah, commentators aren't ready. Well, I'm sure a present company excluded she'd be prepared <laughs> oh, for definitely not. every eventuality. <laughs> um, commentators aren't ready. Some members of the crowd aren't in their seats. No, no. Um, Victor Lindelof wasn't ready. Uh, David Hay wasn't ready. Lots of people weren't ready. Um, but Man City clearly had a plan. Uh, it was sort of harking back to Wimbledon 1988, get it launched and long ball up the middle, look for the lock, knockdown. And it was a great goal that caught Manchester United completely by surprise and must have just infuriated Eric Ten Hag no end um, because it's a really soft goal to give away against a brilliant team. And that's something you really don't want to do at any point during the match. You particularly don't want to do it after 12 seconds. Yeah, But Man City were undeniably the better team in this game by a distance, even if the scoreline suggests otherwise, and were more than worthy winners. It's a good, it's a, you know, it is, Robin, it's, it's a testament to a good warm-up, isn't it? I mean, I think, was it, it was it Gundogan's first kick of the, of the match? I, I haven't watched it back enough times to know, but sort of think... No, it, it wasn't because he took the kickoff. Ah, that's it. He took the kickoff, which is not really a touch, is it? It's his first real <laughs> touch. It's some finish, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I usually do not notice things like this at all, but I did notice he played it all the way back to the goalkeeper. I thought, hmm, that's interesting for Man City. So I did think it was slightly rehearsed, albeit the Manchester United, it did bounce, didn't it? And the Manchester United defender didn't win the header. And then somehow... Gundogan was in absolutely acres of space right on the edge of the D and he hit it beautifully. But yeah, um, I'm really, really reluctant, especially as a commentator, to criticise goalkeepers because I hate going in goal. I just, I don't even try, um, you know, so basically I'm never 
never chosen to do that. And so I go to David Priest, who's who's the authority on this. And I really think he should be used more, actually, as a generally they should use goalkeepers more as pundits because so so often it they get it. I just don't you you want to trust you know, their judgment. And he, you know, a lot of people saying, you know, he couldn't do much about that. And actually, you know, I'm sure he's a paid up, you know, member of the union, but he did say he wasn't prepared. I mean, there's Barry said he wasn't prepared. He said his sort of footwork wasn't quite there. He wasn't anticipating and he did have time to actually anticipate what Gundogan might have done. He still might not have saved it, but it just didn't look great, did it? He kind of kneeled like underneath the shot. <laughs> So I just found that very interesting. And it, it's great to kind of get that insight from an actual uh, goalkeeper and goalkeeper coach. I'd love to hear what he said about the second one then, if, if the first one he wasn't ready for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that. I was going to say that, Troy. I mean, it's actually interesting. Working with Mark Bosnich, he talked a lot about footwork and it's sort of something that you don't ever think about. Like, obviously where your feet are and where your foot is planted makes a big difference on how far you can dive and which direction you can dive and if you can change direction. I just wonder, is there any sympathy for him for the second? Because I actually haven't even, I haven't even considered that he was at fault for the first. I'd give anyone a pass in, in the first 12 seconds, Troy. But for the second, he's kind of unsighted, isn't he? I mean, you can be un, unlucky. <sighs> you can, but Max, you know, the pace of that ball the distance from De Bruyne's free kick to Gundogan, you've got to... Uh, listen, Robin's just said it there. I, I'm not the oracle on on goalkeepers and their feet and their positioning. And, and David Priest is also someone that I, uh, I'm i always conscious of when you're looking to criticise, you know, because it's it's a niche position. It You know, like it does on the field of play, the goalkeepers, almost the union, almost seems to be the only one that can really criticise their own. And... I just thought, I thought this is the beginning of the end for De Gea. That that you know, big moments in big games are the things that define goalkeepers. And and his his movement wasn't great when Gundogan hit it. I saw him make a slight move to the left, so he was definitely unsighted. But the pace of the ball means that he sh- he should have made could have made that move to the left and then back across to to save it because again, it wasn't right in the corner. Um, it bounced how many times? Twice. Oh, I was going to say 150, Robin, but thank <laughs> but you. It doesn't thank look you good, for twice. does it? It just doesn't it, look it, good. It, it doesn't look good. And at that moment, you know, I, I've always been a fan of De Gea, to be honest. Goalkeepers make mistakes. And I think De Gea's mistakes get highlighted more because of the football club he plays for, the fan base and everything else. But at that moment, I said, I actually said to myself, I think you're done, David. I think you're done. And one of the big things will be that they look for a goalkeeper very, very quickly. Um, and if you're not prepared to be a number two, then it's then it's then it's goodbye. But I, I think on that no, it sounds like the head probably is prepared to be a number two. I think he has a cushy gig in Manchester. He's on massive money. He seems to enjoy living in Manchester. He's been there a long time. I don't know what his family situation is. If he has kids in school there or what, but um, the, I just want to get back. I'll get back to the goal in a second, but. Dean Henderson doesn't seem to come up in the conversation about United's next goalkeeper at all. Is he done at Old Trafford? Because he was doing okay at Forest until he got injured and then he missed the second half of the season through injury. I read somewhere that he's, you know, he's he's not staying at Forest. He's going back to United. So that is a possibility. I mean, I think they might be in for David Rea like a lot of teams are. But it will be interesting to see. Anyway, sorry, that's sort of a side issue. I just think there's a lot of blame to go around for that second goal. Fred, this, the free kick he gave away was moronic. Yeah, yeah. And then we have seen in recent weeks that if he's standing in a pocket of space on the edge of the penalty area, unmarked, Ilkay Gundogan can cause <laughs> quite a lot of damage. So why was he standing unmarked in a pocket of space on the edge of the penalty area? Why wasn't anyone marking him? It was just infuriating. So if if I was David Hay, while I would be prepared to shoulder a certain amount of blame for that goal, I would also be 
pointing my big foam goalkeeping glove finger at Fred and and whoever was supposed to be marking Gundogan. Presumably the big foam goalkeeping glove that you got given by Bruce Grobelar from the Anfield rap video is I'm hoping that's where <laughs> you've got your big foam glove. Unless, of course, it's from Gladiators, but we'll get to that. Um, just the list of the fastest ever FA Cup final goals. Gundogan's 12 seconds. Louis Zaha, 2009, for Everton against Chelsea. A game that I literally have no recollection of no at all. Of, Chelsea no. beat Everton 2-1. Um, Bob Chat in 1895. I also have no recollection of this one. Uh, 30 seconds for Aston Villa against West Brom in a 1-0 win. And uh, Roberto Di Matteo. I do remember this goal uh, for Chelsea against Middlesbrough uh, in 1997. Um, Robin, Casemiro should have gone after 11 minutes. I think so. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Odd one. And uh, yeah, again, always interesting that... Uh, the co-commentator Jermaine Genus, who I was listening to on BBC One, nailed his colours to the mast very quickly and said he meant that, which I always think is quite interesting because obviously, you know, again, they want to stand up for their fellow pros. And I always like to give them benefit of the doubt. You think, well, you know, it's fast and all that. But he seemed to think, yeah, he kind of, he was frustrated and it's not the first time he's done that this season. And uh, and yeah, he got, got away with it. Yeah, it's some interesting decisions. Obviously, it didn't didn't matter in the end, but... Yeah, that wasn't pretty at all. Not at no. all. And never been yeah, sent off before in was it in Spain? It's really making up for lost time. Yeah, in his the invisibility cloak he left on the plane, clearly. <laughs> exactly. on the plane. Yeah. Not only was he not sent off, he also got the free kick. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I the know. free kick was given to Casemiro. I anyway. It's impressive. Yeah, and then we had one of those handballs. I mean, we don't need to have that conversation again. It's utterly ludicrous unless anybody wants to, you know, play devil's advocate or something. Gary Lineker did say uh, he was told with good authority that the handball laws will be simplified. We don't know who from, of course, but, uh, you know. Just say that it's not... The referees, let's not blame them because this is... They were just following following orders. (laughs) Mm. I, I, I think at that moment, I mean... We've seen them given, we've seen them not given. We've seen them talk about distance from ball to hand and we've seen them. And I think all we want is a consistency. If that is a pen, regardless of of, of what situation it is, what distance it is, it's given. No, if no, no, not, Troy. We don't, no, no. We don't want that to be a penalty, ever. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, like, that's the I'm consistency I want, right? Yeah, I get you. But if the letter of the law is that it is a pen and... Change the law. Despite all our opinions here. Yeah, the law needs to be changed. That is a massive call in that game. And and there'll be those that say, well, look, they've got it right because it's got it in here. But I'm with, I think it affected Grealish. I think it absolutely affected Grealish. Yeah. And obviously he was still, they won, but he was still speaking about it afterwards with a lot of emotion as well. And all right, people say, well, Whatever, but yeah, if that law is going to be tweaked, that can't be tweaked soon enough, that's for sure. I think it's the wording also, you know, this this unnatural position, because actually it is natural what he was doing. He just, he kind of lost the flight of the ball, didn't he? And he lost yeah. the header, lost the header. Yeah. And because he was trying to head it, his arms were up. So I think that, I think that actually it's the wording that kind of you think that, well, how, where was he supposed to put his hands? It's kind of where naturally was he supposed to do that? Mm. Um Baz, do you think Inter will have seen anything from that game to give them hope? I mean, you know, I did have chances late on, didn't they? They could have taken this to extra time, even if it wouldn't have been deserved. I'd love to know what the mood in the Inter camp is among the players. Like, do, do they actually think they can win the, this game? Maybe they do. Or there may be an air of fatalism and they may, might just be hoping City will have a bad day and they'll have a good day. I mean... Uh, I was just listening to the radio beforehand. They're six to one to win the game. Like a Champions League final, and one team is six to one to win it. That's massive, you know. Um, I, I'm not sure that I've seen much to give them hope. I mean, Manchester United did dominate for a while after scoring, but the thing United have lots of players who are occasionally excellent, but not consistently excellent. And City have better players who are almost always on top of their game. And any who aren't on top of their game, there's five or six more waiting in, on the rank to come in and replace them and be just as good. Whereas the quality we saw, compare the benches on, on Sunday, is just ridiculous, the golf in, in quality on both benches. Um, 
I, yeah, if I was an intra-player manager, I'm, I'm not sure what I would have taken for that game. They're going, oh, yeah, we can beat these, or this is an area of weakness. I suppose get Jack Grealish riled up early doors and, and hope he loses his head, as he kind of did on, on Saturday. It was interesting, like that post-match interview he did. It was him that brought up the subject of the penalty, mm. not whoever was interviewing. Mm. It was the first thing he wanted to talk about. Um, so it was clearly preying on his mind and, and you know, ruined what could have been a, a, a much better afternoon for him on an individual, personal level. So I was just going to say, I think that would definitely be, it's been a game plan of many a team this season, isn't it? Get at Jack Grealish, upset him, you know, and, and, and kind of put him off his game. But Barry quite rightly, you know, identified that there are so many other quality players within that team. I think it could be also a mind game just for City themselves in regards to knowing that they've been there before and didn't perform um, and didn't perform. You know, it went horribly wrong, didn't it, against Chelsea? And um, people will point to the selection of Guardiola and, and this, but I don't think he'll make the same mistake this time. He's, since, he's come, since we've come back from the World Cup, he knows what, who he wants to start in particular games and he's nailed his mask to it. And... Listen, you never know. It's it's 90 minutes or 120 minutes and then some pens of football. You never know. But I'll be amazed if City don't, don't walk off with the treble, um, you know, Saturday night. I think he's nailed his colours to the mark. I don't think he's nailed don't, his mask. Don't, start on, me, Matt. don't to... start on me, Matt Rushton, please. Don't start on me. <laughs> no, I just wonder if Inter might adopt the attitude everyone else seems to, to have or the opinion that we're going to get... Let's try and just shithouse our way to... a a penalty shootout or a, a 1-0 win. And part of me would quite like to see that. It would be <laughs> so funny if Man City lost this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be. We need another goal in 12 seconds from City, I think. That's what I'll take. No, I think we want an Inter to score first, don't we? Just to... to, to... I don't know. I'm slightly torn, Robin, because I think maybe Pep would go and in the interest of the Premier League not being a farmer's league, it would be, it would just be fascinating <laughs> from a footballing perspective to see what happens to City when Pep goes. And they could just go on and get better, right? You know, Deserby might actually be better than Pep. We don't know or, or whoever they get, but like that, that, that would be interesting. And, and I don't think he would go if they didn't win the Champions League, but you know, I'm, I'm I certainly think... tempted to support the underdog. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I think that is really going to be very, very interesting. And maybe, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot um, of stuff hanging over Manchester City and it's questioned and rightly so. But it is interesting how many people are, are saying, putting that aside, if they don't have Pep, they're nowhere near as dominant. And uh, that's going to be interesting to be put to the test, you know, if they do, especially if they do wriggle out of these, out of these alleged charges. You said wriggle. The, the, the charges aren't alleged. <laughs> <laughs> um, can, can we, I, we do need to point out, um, Troy, yeah, you can. So what have you said? No, I, well, sorry, I was going to go back to the final, but I think you please may do. just no, be please going do. back there now. No, 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 no. I just want everyone's thoughts on the, De, it's not spoken about much, but De Bruyne pen. So when Fred put his leg across and, um, no. Oh, not for no, me. Not, He's gone, no. Not for me, Troy. Oh, <laughs> Barry's Absolutely. Gone. Thank you, Barry. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's a penalty. No, Robin's gone. No, Max, we don't care what his opinion is. But never mind. <laughs> okay. Is it a no, Max? I don't think so. I'd need to watch it again. I don't know how many times I studied it. My first instinct was De Bruyne has generated the content. The, the contact Ooh. is that the is that the phrase? Yeah, um, it is the phrase. I'm not so sure. Well, I'm with Bar I'm in Barry's camp. But I Robin... think if it, if the referee gave it in real time, it would have not been overturned. I think it was it was one yeah. of those. Whereas yeah. they didn't want to re-referee. Yes, the other interesting thing is Gundogan's now out of contract, isn't he? And yeah, where's he going to go? And will I think that the story is that City he might not be getting the length of contract that City want to give him. So it would just it's be only interesting a one to year, see. isn't it? That's it's, right. He's only been offered a one year with an option. Is that right? So if I mean, if yeah. Arsenal kind of offer a little bit more, it just again, it'll be interesting to see. It's almost like City trolling Arsenal. How many players can we give you, and you still don't win? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do need to uh, uh, go back to Barry's uh, prediction 
uh, ahead of this FA Cup final. Uh, Gary says, Hi, Max, does Barry? <laughs> yes, does Barry think Man United could have won the FA Cup if Valt Veghorst had come off the bench earlier? Johnny's saying, I know it was slightly tongue-in-cheek, but has a prediction ever been as far off as Barry's about Veghorst? Lowest ranked player on the BBC yesterday. My tweet, or my prediction, I saw that tweet, and uh, I'm not sure what prediction he thinks I made, but my prediction was entirely accurate. I said, in the very unlikely event Uh, that Manchester United win this game, it will be due to some sort of intervention by Wout Weghorst. They didn't win the game, which renders the prediction moot, null and void. (laughs) Well, there you are. Your Um, Honour. Thank you, Barry. Uh, Garnacho was the one, wasn't he? He he made a big difference. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, big difference. Interesting, isn't it, Garnacho? Because you sort of look at Sancho and he's such an interesting player in that everybody who watched the Bundesliga religiously, you talk to Lars or Mike Langdon or Archie, they're like, Man United have got an absolute superstar. But if you only watch the Premier League, you're looking at a player who quite often can't beat a man, can't really do any, like just looks like he's sort of quite a good footballer, but just doesn't do anything, you know, and, and you don't want to, you sort of you sort of will him to do well because people say, oh, he's hopeless. And he's clearly not, but such a, confidence is everything, but he really it looks short, like Garnaccio made such a difference. Yeah, I feel for Jaden Sancho. There's a talent in there. There's no denying it. There's an absolute talent in there. A young man that's had a lot to put up with, by the way. You know, remember when he Man United signed him, he hadn't played in the Premier League. And the Premier League is a different kettle of fish than than you know the Bundesliga. Um and he's playing for a massive club and they're under pressure and you know, he's had to deal with Euros, the fallout from there. Um, not being selected for a World Cup, so I'm 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 kind of like, look, let's give this young lad a clean run um, and see if he can get back to where he needs to be. There's no denying his what we're watching is not the Jaden Sancho of, of of you know when he was growing up in Germany, and he looks afraid to take people on. He does look afraid to take people on, and and as a winger or as a wide man, that's not a very good trait, is it? Being afraid to take someone on, and he often turns back and goes safe. I just want him to have a really good summer. I'm not a Man United fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I just want him to have a really good summer and see if he can, um, you know, recapture that form but um, that he had. But Garnacho, I mean, Barry, I heard you say dominate earlier. I didn't think there was a period that Man United actually dominated at all in this game, but they, what, they were better because of the impacts of Garnacho um and you know had one or two opportunities but I'd be really interested to see how many times Ortega had to really make a save but also how many touches he had on the ball as well okay look if you are a winger and you're not going to beat your man the least you can do is cut inside and just bend one in the top left hand corner with your left foot I mean that's what you that's the alternative isn't it Troy um oh that's uh, so anyway, a low look- blow that is that's not a low blow. It's a wonderful <laughs> skill. I'm just a huge okay. Iron Robin fan, Troy. That's all I was <laughs> trying to say to you. Um, Man United's 21st FA Cup final, more than joint most of any side tied with Arsenal. Uh, they've lost more FA Cup finals than any other team. They've lost four of their last five. But a bit of perspective, Barry, it has been a good season, really, for Manchester United, hasn't it? It's been decent, yeah. Um, they won a trophy, they qualified for the Champions League. I think anyone among their support would be happy with that but they're miles off Manchester City like miles off them there's an awful lot of room for improvement the fans are unhappy obviously with the owners and want them gone everyone wants them gone and the fans are split over who should take over and that takeover has been dragged out and conceivably might not still happen uh that needs to be sorted so yeah it's uh, i go b minus of a season um from top to bottom of the club Ooh. but there, there is an, an awful lot of improvement yeah, i think it's at least a, a room b, for improvement a, there a b plus i think you got a trophy got an well, it, d- it depends what you want what do you want manchester united to be what do man manchester united are one of the biggest clubs in the world yeah and they're nowhere near even being the biggest club in their own city at the moment. True. But, you know, from where they were, I think it's 
it's been some excellent. Yeah. If you keep improving like this, young little Man United will be, will you know, we'll think you'll do well. Um, I just finally on this, uh, you would have of course seen this story, but the the Met Police confirmed the arrest of a Manchester United supporter for wearing a, a shirt mocking the Hillsborough disaster um, at the FA Cup final. A statement released by the FA said the FA strongly condemns the actions of the individual who wore a shirt referencing. The Hillsborough disaster ahead of the FA Cup final at Wembley Stadium. We saw a photograph of the offensive shirt on social media, immediately started working to identify the perpetrator. Our security team were able to quickly locate the individual based on the image and we welcomed the swift action, which was then taken by police. We will not tolerate abuse relating to Hillsborough or any football tragedy at Wembley Stadium. We will continue to work with the authorities to ensure strong action is taken against the perpetrators. I think we need to say anything about that moron do we um and that'll do for part one part two uh we will talk about celtic winning the treble and the future of Ange postacoglu finding your perfect home was hard but thanks to burrow furnishing it has never been easier burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium durable materials including stain and scratch resistant fabrics so they're not just comfortable and stylish they're built to last Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. David says, after championing... David says, after championing Ange for so long, what percentage cut of the Spurs deal will you be getting, Max? How much of that will you need to pay off an angry Barca Jim? Watch your back, Rushton. Yeah, Jim Burke, Barca Jim, Celtic fan, joins us. Hello, mate. How you doing, OK? I, I, I'm very good, thanks. Um, uh, Fabrizio Romano tweeted about an hour ago, I understand Tottenham have finally reached a verbal agreement with Ange Postacoglu as the next manager of Tottenham. Been told it'll be a two-year deal with an option included for a further season. Um, uh, next step to get it done, uh, find a way with Celtic. So, I, I mean, I did want to start talking about the game and Celtic winning the treble, but the news has kind of overtaken us. Um, I'm sorry, Jim. <laughs> yes, and you should be, that Max, you should be. I told you, I'm holding you personally responsible. And in fairness, you know, um, when he got the job, I mean, I was gutted he got the job. I'm, I don't try and do any of this revisionist nonsense. I was, because I said, you know, we, we were dangled this Eddie Howe carrot for about five or six weeks. And then that all collapsed. And then within a day or two, this guy was getting off a plane from Japan. And we were like, oh, come on, you cannot be serious. And it was you, I think you put me in touch with, Oh, uh, Dr. Kennedy from Neighbours. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I, and it was at Francis Leach. Francis Leach, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Francis sent him a couple of DMs saying, Jim, this guy's going to rock your world. Just seriously calm down. But after his first press conference, we really were like, oh, hang on, this guy's... Because I, I had about... I'm in a group chat, and then but 10 or 15 lads, I'm not renewing my season ticket. I've had enough. Because that's how much a shambles the club was. And then literally after his first press conference, the, the app, the group chat was, I've renewed, I've renewed, I've renewed, I've renewed, I've renewed. And not fickle football board. fans, are they? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, and that's what's, that, that's, I mean, I can see the Spurs reaction online and it's exactly word for word the Celtic reaction, and also, arguably, he's walking into the same shambles at Spurs that he walked into at Celtic. It's almost identical, the shambles. Absolutely. Barry, it's, it's... And also, they've got... We did Ward, who was making noises about leaving. He was our main striker. Harry Kane's making noises about leaving. You know, all of those... You know, everything is the same. As I say, I am only holding on to the fact that 
I don't know if he's actually met Daniel Levy yet, right? <laughs> that is the one little piece in the jigsaw that I think could destroy the whole thing. <laughs> and I'm here for it. I am absolutely here for it if it does. Can I uh, represent the the Twitter moon howlers um, who will argue that Stephen Gerrard did well in Scotland but bombed out with Aston Villa. So who's to say Ange won't do the same? Well, I would again look at... it. Gerrard did well for one season. Let's... One season. The season when the stadiums were shut. The the season where Celtic decided to do everything possible they could to lose that league. You know, Rangers have been a stronger opponent this year. They'd won the league with 25 points in Ange's first year. I think Ange lost. I mean, we were six points behind him after four or five games. You know, and, and, you know, he took it from that position of, you know, shambles and, and rejuvenated the way we play the game and, and everything around the club, you know, and, and, and I think, as Max says, he's a good man. He's a, a, a real natural leader. A real, he's got, I mean, I'm, I met him a couple of weeks back at a, a thing and you know that, and Gordon Strachan was there and Scott Brown and there was legends as far as the eye could see. But as soon as he walked in, you could just, right, this guy's, there's, he's, there's something about him. And I'll, I'm distraught he's going. I'm not going to lie. Of course I'm distraught he's going. And that's the reason, Max, that, you know, I'm never going to forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask, Jim, um, as someone who doesn't watch Scottish football, just, you know, read a lot about it, but, you know, Brendan Rodgers got, did the treble. How was it different? How did he rock your world? In what way? I, I think... Don't get me wrong, the Rogers season, and you know, I'm I'm having to over the last couple of days review my opinion of Brendan Rogers just in case he gets the job <laughs> to replace him, right? So it's not I, but it, I think it was where he came from, um, where we came from as a club to where we are now, and it, there's just a structure, just a unity, and I I have. I have never experienced that, even because I'm old enough to remember Jock Steen and I'm old, you know, and, and even Martin O'Neill's first season. And there still were fans that mm, grumble, grumble, grumble. You know, certainly with Jock Steen, I remember it. And I remember it with uh, Martin O'Neill. And I remember it to a degree with Brendan Rodgers. You cannot find a Celtic fan who has got anything other than 100% support for him. There's a unity that 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 if you can achieve that at Spurs, that will be a miracle. Mm. And actually, it's an interesting sign of sort of the hubris of football fans, right? And I don't know how the Japanese fans reacted, you know, because like clearly it's sort of like that Monty Python sketch. I look down on him and he looks down on me, right? Did the J-League fans go, hang on, he's only done this in the A-League. And then the, the Scottish fans go, he's only done this in Japan. And now English fans going, he's only done this in Scotland. I mean, the fact is he's done it everywhere he's been and not with... Okay, Celtic are a fancied club. Of course they are, but they were in a complete mess. It doesn't guarantee success for Tottenham. But but can you just tell us, talk about the football that he played? Well, um, the football he played was, I mean, they showed a, a clip from his first, one of his first training sessions. And it's now become a catchphrase, we never stop. And it was a case of, we never stop. We never switch off. If the opposition switch off for a minute, that's when we do our best work. And, and he instilled that into the players. And you could see it. I mean, even when we played Real Madrid, especially in the home game at Celtic Park for first half, certainly hour. the first half, mm. you know, we, we were at them and whatever. And bearing in mind the size, the difference in the resources, that, that, augured well you know it'd have been nice to see how he'd have done it this season because again we're a much we're a much better unit this time and he has got an ability just to get players on the page and the more also if somebody doesn't want to be there he just get rid you know it's it's very much a his way or the highway you know so everybody has to buy into it if you don't buy into it you're gone and he installs an incredible spirit in the club and in the team 
that just don't accept defeat, you know. Um, and and if you were a Spurs fan, you know, I can't see what more than that you would want. Especially they're they're a fractured support. Um, if if he can do what he's done at every single job he's had, and that's the thing, there are no failures on his CV at all. And Barry loves having a pop at the Spurs fans about how they're, oh, is he really good enough for us? As when they've had Mourinho who tore the club apart, Conte who tore the club apart, and a list of managers that have done nothing, you know? Troy? Jim, um, I hope at some stage we're going to talk about your eating habits, but let's stick to the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's stick to the. Oh, we will. We will. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, what is it? What? How? How do you think he's going to be? Not received, but re- yeah, received by the fans, and we've kind of spoken about, it, but also by the players who can be particular about who manages their team, regardless of the fact that they're underachieving themselves. Do you think that he can turn around that mindset and attitude that has existed at Spurs for quite a while now? Um, and also handle the pressure of being a Tottenham manager or managing in the Premier League? Absolutely. Now, on the subject of pressure, and I know everybody looks down on you know, the Scottish Premier but Celtic are a massive club. Massive. I've lived in different, you know, lived in Spain and gone to a pub to watch a game and there's been two or three hundred Celtic fans watching the game and, you know, and it's the same story throughout the world. They are massive the demand to win every week, the demand to play football a certain way brings its own huge pressure. Now, with regards to the players, again, I talked about that charisma that the guy has and the very single-minded vision he's got. He did an interview about how he does, how he conducts his transfer business. And he's, he said, I know how I want to play, I know exactly. And I look at a player and I say, can he do the thing I need him to do in that position? If the answer's yes, he signs them. If the answer's no, we move on to the next player. So the players will be given very, very detailed, very specific instructions. This is what I need you to do. And if they think, oh, I'm not sure about that, okay, just go and find another club where you can do what you want to do. When you're here, you do what I want to do. And if you don't like it, we move on. Um, And he's a real strong character, really, really um, strong character. You have won the treble. I mean, that's good. There's reason to celebrate, like, despite this news. Oh, listen, it, exactly. And, and there's a lovely wee story. There's a, a, a friend of mine who sadly passed away on Saturday, old John, and I went to see him on Thursday when he got moved to the, the hospice for his the end-of-life uh, care. And I said to him, I said, right, John, <clears throat> he always talked about Celtic. I said, I don't know if you need any more bad news at this time, he said, but it looks as if Angie's off, Angie's off to Spurs. And he said, that's the thing about Celtic. There'll always be another hero. You know, so yes, we're celebrating whatever, but life will go on without Ange and, and, and we'll get behind the next guy. But yeah, it will be, it'll be bittersweet. It, it was a, it, it was a bit bittersweet because we just had that feeling. Just what we, what we all knew he was going at some point, but we just one more year, just one more year, just to another crack at the Champions League and just see where we were then, you know. And is it Brendan Rodgers, the, is, is that the front runner? <laughs> <Not sure>. um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. If, I, I, I think when we spoke on the radio yesterday, Barry, I said that Celtic will have a contingency plan because, again, that's another thing culturally that, that Ange has brought in, that there's always a plan for when something goes wrong or whatever. I think, I think Rodgers... For me, I, I think he's the best of the candidates I've heard floated already, just simply because he knows the club, he knows the city. His style of football is very similar to the one that Ange plays. So I think the transition would be quite easy. What would be less easy is him trying to convince the Celtic fans to forgive him for leaving them halfway through a season the last time round and some of his Brentisms and, and Jake Humphreys type behaviour that kind of a, that accompanies him, you know. But, you know, we've been here before and, and we'll, we'll survive. 
I think. John says, uh, what was Barca Jim's favourite meal yesterday? It looks like a historic Ooh. treble. I mean, this is this is out of the Mark Langdon playbook. Uh, begins with focaccia bread with crispy bacon and duja sausage, black pudding and tatty scone. Let me tell you, yes. that was the healthy... That was the healthy meal of the three. <laughs> that's the starter. At the game. Yeah, that's breakfast. Oh, yes. Uh, lunch was a donner pie. Right? Oh, and it was uh, magnificent. What, a, what an extraordinary thing that is. That is uh, donner meat in, uh, I guess, a short crust pastry of oh, some oh. sort. Oh, no. Short crust. Far too healthy. It's, right. basically, it's basically a lard or suet base. It's just lard. Suet kebab. Fuck <laughs> it. Jesus. And then a haggis supper on a walk back from the pub. Yes, yes. I, I, I that is a flawless day's eating. If you do the if you're doing a Glasgow live show, I, I demand to be there as the the. Uh, there's none of this. What was it the last night? The Wagamama's nonsense. We're not doing any of that, right? Right. We're not doing the noodles and broth and whatever. We will get in the good stuff. Donna pie. That oh, sounds like nice. a potentially final day's eating. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? Well, Jim Jim said earlier, life will go on after Ange. It won't go on for his mate, John, and I don't think it'll go on for him either. <laughs> I'm here for a I, good time, not a long time, Barry, as you yeah, all know. That's a good point. Uh, hey, listen, Jim, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure. No problem. Listen, nice to see hold you. Hold on, we need, we need to get Jim's thoughts on the game of the, the weekend in Scotland, which was uh, Ross, County Ross County against Partick Thistle last night. What a game. What a penalty shootout. Some it absolute incompetence on show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched I watched the penalties. It was on in the pub. I went to the pub as soon as I got home from Glasgow. And it was on. And there was the usual kind of sniffy comments about the, why is this, you know, pub game on and whatever from the lads in Leeds who are notoriously tolerant, as you can imagine. And then the penalty shootout started. And I know a couple of Thistle fans, and one of them in particular, a comedian, Ray Bradshaw, he kind of tweeted, like, when they were 2-0 up, yay, isn't this great? I was like that. Because Thistle have got the Spurs gene in them as well, that they will find a way. They will find a way to mess it up. And by, did they, they didn't have, did they? It was magnificent. See, that's why Scottish football is great. We get... Yeah, well, you, you've been madness. in my local pub. Uh, well, I think you all have, inst- apart from Robin. But th- like, it was the exact same attitude. Why? Why is this shit? I'm telling you, because like, <laughs> c- there's nothing else. <laughs> and then when it got to the penalty shootout, about halfway through the penalty shootout, like each penalty <laughs> that got skied over the bar was getting <laughs> roars of applause. <laughs> Just to fill everyone else in, this is the the, the playoffs to stay in the Premiership, or so Ross County are trying to Ross County are trying to stay in the Premiership, and Partick Thistle are trying to get promoted, and Partick Thistle were were three one up at one stage, three nil, or three nil up at one stage on aggregate, and managed to lose. Yes, Ross County equalised in the last minute of normal time. And uh, then they went on to win the penalty shootout 5-4. So uh, they have salvaged their uh, Scottish Premiership status. Um, I need to dig out that penalty shootout and watch it. Well, it was great because you know how normally when you watch a penalty shootout, a penalty shootout is he walks up and you say, he's missing this. Yesterday was, I think he might score this. It's <laughs> a massive shout out to Jan Dando, who I know from Ross County, former Liverpool and Swansea player, who's uh, scored both of his penalties, by the way, um, and has been a credit to that club. So it's his first season in Scotland. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. Well, you've done that. Um, all right, Jim, you can go away now. All Cheers, right. pal. Cheers, man. Thanks to see you all again. Cheers now. Jim Burke there uh, on the news. That looks like Ange Postacoglu is on his way to Spurs. Uh, and there's actually some other, it, it's not totally Spurs related, but it could be ultimately, which is the news that Karen Benzema is leaving Real Madrid as a free agent uh, at the end of uh, 14 years uh, where he's won everything and uh, he's being moved, linked to with a move to Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, uh, which will be worth uh, more than 100 million euros, I think, is uh, deal. Um, quite extraordinary, uh, the money that they are throwing at players at the moment. Um, but, it, you know, he has been unbelievable for Real Madrid, Troy. 
he did look a bit off it against City, but that doesn't mean he's done, right? He's still a wonderful player, what he's achieved, and sort of playing second fiddle to Ronaldo for a while and then stepping up when Ronaldo left. Um, is interesting. Also leaves quite a big hole for a centre-forward if there are any available <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, I've been thinking about this for quite a while and just to, to endorse what you've said there, what a legend of a player who's obviously served that amazing football club so well for so long and should never sniff at 350 or 345 goals, that's for sure. But it does seem they've got a massive hole. They, they've also, Asensio has gone to PSG and I know that's on a free, but it, it kind of, um, you know, allows for more wages to be looked at, doesn't it? So Benzema's wages, Asensio's wages, it's got to be a big player that fills that hole. It's got to be a big player that guarantees you goals. And Max, I'm not sure if you know of any. I don't know of anyone, but Can't you might any. know someone. That... Richarlison. Richarlison. <laughs> <laughs> they could well be in for, yeah, for Spurs' number 10. Because and I actually have said this before, that I didn't think that Real Madrid or Barcelona were on the agenda just because of all the financial restrictions that both clubs have had recently. But... Freeing up that amount of money could only mean one thing. And Kai Havertz is the one that at the moment in the press is being talked about, isn't he? He's going to Real Madrid, which that's, you know, in the best will in the world, great player, but not a centre forward of Benzema's ilk for sure. So it'll be interesting over the next few weeks to see what happens. Am I allowed to say it? it might, Kane might be going there. I just want to ask you, Max, is it more palatable, would it be more palatable for him to go to Madrid as opposed to another Premier League team? Oh, I mean, I think he should just, like, you know, he should just go like somewhere. <laughs> it, like, like I'd love him to stay at Tottenham. But, like, I think if the choice was stay at Spurs for another year, have your free choice, or go to Manchester United, we've talked about where Manchester United are, and clearly they are in a better position than Spurs. But if the choice is no European football or playing either side of Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. with Bellingham just behind you, you know, Modric still kicking about and, and you know... Uh, Kamavinga and Chumani and all that. Like, it's just, you can't not do that. Surely, like, you can't. And if Ancelotti's staying and you know, such a successful manager, it doesn't guarantee you trophies. But, uh, you know, I, I think, like, I think he should have the freedom to do whatever he wants to do. But maybe he's just happy where he is. Very similar, Robin, to when Modric was leaving Spurs all those years ago and Chelsea were the fave. You know, it's gonna, and the fans were up in arms if he ever goes to Chelsea. And you know, he went to Madrid, and he went with all the blessing. And I think it'd definitely be the same for Harry Kane. They'll accept going to someone like Real Madrid because of you know the enormity of that football club. But going to Man United means he has to play against Spurs at least twice. Um, and I'm not sure they'll be able to, to to envisage him in a red shirt, that's for sure, or whatever colour their away kit might be next season. Well, that's right. Just just keep the white shirt. Maybe just wear a Spurs shirt exactly. for Real Madrid. Yeah. Underneath, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, YP says, will the Saudi league be a nicer retirement home than the old wealthy Chinese Super League? David said, he'll be the first big name still in the prime of their career, say under 30, to go to the Saudi league. Be interesting to see how this grows or if it'll be very much like the Chinese league and eventually it'll be just be Fellaini getting a, like a ultra trillion pounds a week to, to play there. It was Oscar, wasn't it, who went in the in the sort of prime of his to chuck to 24, China. 25, when yeah. he and oh, was stayed Troy, there for ages. Yeah. But Troy, you're you're closer to to elite level footballers than than the rest of us. Apparently, surely they have a it's conversation where they go, you know, sure, surely you have a conversation where you go like hundred grand a week is enough, like to get the groceries, <laughs> right? You can you can get you know, like do you do you really like or is it just I guess if you're on 100 grand a week and someone else you 400 grand a week, you just go, oh, I might as well for a it's couple like, of years. It's like anything though, Max, isn't it? And we always, you know, you'll always say how much more money can one have, but you, lifestyles and everything else and way of living and whatever it may be, someone offers you double, treble, quadruple what you're on. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a, a, a game changer, isn't it? It's kind would you, of would you go to would you go to the Totally Football Show for double this? <laughs> to be fair, at the moment I'm up for grabs. My contract's finished, so I could be going <laughs> oh, anywhere at the moment. A come and get me, please, from Townsend. There you go. There you go, Robin. Um, 
Uh, Ned says, following the retirement of Zlatan, do the panel believe he has the self-confidence to move into a coaching career or will he simply wither in the face of self-doubt as he flunks the UEFA B licence exams? Adam says, now Zlatan has retired, who's the most self-important cringy bore still playing football? Um, the, the, Barry, there was a, I don't know if you saw the video of him, he was doing his speech to the Milan fans. I think there was some Verona fans booing and he said, look, this is the most exciting moment of your lives. And the, <laughs> yeah. the, the curve, I went mad with him. Um how do we decide? Do we do we like Zlatan or or not like Zlatan? Ah, oh, you have to admire him uh, as a player and as a man. Uh, like as a player, tall, strong as a bull, agile, almost balletic at some points. Brilliant touch, brilliant technique, brilliant balance, excellent in the air, excellent shooting from distance. Uh, scored free kicks and demanded very high standards from himself and his teammates, many of whom he got in rows with on the training ground or elsewhere. Uh, often that resulted in or ended in physical violence. He has obviously got this ironclad self-belief. And, you know, if you scroll through his list of honours for playing with various teams and individual honours, on Wikipedia, takes quite a long time to get to the bottom of the list. You know, he's achieved an awful lot in the game. Um, and then he, you know, he had a, had a lot of falling out, fallings out with various people throughout his career, including Pep Guardiola, uh, Leonardo at Paris Saint-Germain, uh, our own Nedim Anuah, uh, who described him as arrogant, disrespectful and a complete thug. Uh, after his re- he'd had Markham uh, while playing for Real or Real Salt Lake, uh, and Zlatan was um, playing for LA Galaxy, and then he obviously has his detractors, uh, uh, some of whom think he's a big game bottler, uh, and and will constantly point to the fact that despite playing for Ajax, Juve, Inter, Barcelona. Milan, PSG, and Man United, he never won the Champions League. And I suppose that's the big glaring absence on his Palmeiras. Or, and, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> but I, I wonder what he will do. I, I can imagine him, you know, turning up at these various FIFA and UEFA functions to present or, you know, open little balls and conduct draws. But I presume... If he wants one, there's a lucrative career as a pundit awaiting, hmm. and that would be quite entertaining as well. Yeah, possibly. Or he'll end up selling Bitcoin or something like that. <laughs> um, uh, now, the footage of Jose abusing Anthony Taylor in the car park and the subsequent abuse of Taylor by Roma fans at the airport came out after we'd done the pod on Thursday. Certainly the the, the video of the, of the airport, that happened after we'd done the pod. Um, but we did discuss Jose in quite big detail and his behaviour before that. Um, I think we got the tone about right. He faces at least a two-game touchline ban after being charged by UEFA over his behaviour. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, we'll keep you posted. As and when. Um, that's that's nowhere near... No, no, I agree. That's the minimum. Enough. That's, that, that, right. that's the minimum, yeah. So it could be more, but I totally agree. I mean, everybody... The, the whole point is, I don't know if you agree, we can... The, the whole point is... He can't be held responsible for what other people do, but everybody in the game knows that every every single club has a section of football fans who are morons, right? Like, and nobody really says it. Like, every single club. It, it, and if you don't have many fans, it's not a lot of people. If you have a lot of fans, it's a lot. And words, we all have a responsibility, anyone who has any sort of platform. And, you know, he Matt, should Matt, know better. Don't you wait for have a responsibility to look after those officials, regardless of whether it's a high-profile game or whether it's... I couldn't believe that we're still in an era where him and his family almost are left to their own devices to, yeah. Yeah, good point. You know, to get the plane and, and whatever. And you've got to realise that they're going to be subjected to, to, to abuse. I, I just can't understand why they were left alone to travel by themselves or what appeared to be. Obviously, we don't know everything, but what appeared to be travel alone and then subjected to that abuse because obviously getting to... Um, you know where they where they need to get to was through sections of fans. I I, I just can't understand that. No, it's a very good point. Uh, that'll do for part two. Part three, uh, we'll do the women's Champions League final and any other business. 
Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. So the Women's Champions League final, Barcelona beat Wolfsburg 3-2. Wolfsburg were three... Wolfsburg were 2-0 up after 37 minutes. I mean, what a game this was, Robin. Yeah, and it's a real shame it kicked off at the same time as the uh, yeah. men's FA Cup. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, that could have been remedied. But anyway, yeah, it was an absolute cracker. Um, it looked like um, Barcelona, who uh, suffered a shock defeat last season to Lyon, it was happening again. The conceded an early goal. Wolfsburg were brilliant in the first half. Um, Eva Pyor dispossessed Lucy Bronze. It was her first appearance since her knee surgery, um, first appearance since April, and that she looked a little bit rusty, dispossessed on the edge of the box, and she fired in. And then Alex Pop, some hit. Uh, it was some it, goal, wasn't it? it yeah, yeah, no. And she she's the top scorer, um, Polish international. So they don't really qualify for many tournaments. So you don't really see her on the international stage, but she is an absolute player. She's she's incredible. Um, and then Alex Pop with a trademark header to make it 2-0. Um, I mean, they were good, but then someone posted on Twitter, the XG at halftime was 2.7 for Barcelona and 0.4 for Wolfsburg. Right, right. <laughs> so there was an indication that it might not be over just yet. And Barcelona, they just stepped it up a little bit more in the second half, a bit more tempo. And um, Patrick Guajaro, who... Um, Scored two goals in three minutes, um, you know, got it back. And then, unfortunately, the winning goal, I don't know if you've seen it, is an absolute... Yeah, it's a horror show. Yeah, it's it's an absolute shower, um, which is is a shame. Um, Just defensive calamity from Wolfsburg. You know, a clearance that goes, that ricochets off your own player and then uh, Friedli and Rolfer to to smash it in. So I think they did deserve it, but you know, it, it's, it just shows they have that um, added resilience now, which is quite scary because they're also just a really bloody great team. Barcelona, great for England, you know, Lucy Bronze and also Kira Walsh who had a good game lifting the Champions League. Um, so yeah, it, and it was, yeah, just a great, a great game. Um, and, uh, but I think Wolfsburg, you know, it's difficult. Barcelona are a force, but that was a chance. That was a real chance to win it. I love watching Bonmati play, right? Oof, I just yeah. think just everything goes through her. It feels like yeah. that, just a total class above. She um, is. Uh, the England squad, uh, we, we talked about it a bit on Thursday. What, what have you made of it, Robin? Beth Mead, not included. Um, she's not recovered from injury. Beth England is in. Um, and Millie Bright's there. She's been out since March, but is in. Obviously, Leah Williamson and Frank Kirby are out. No place for Maya Letizier or Nikita Paris and Steph Horton who I think you said or someone said might have got back in, but sort of thought she wasn't going to get back in a while back and said some nasty things and that might have counted <laughs> against her. But like generally, is it as good as we could hope for given the injuries? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's just very, very different, obviously, from, from the Euros. More different than we expected with it just being a year on. Personally, I would have put Letizia in there. She's played every single game for Manchester United and she's been so good. And I also, I also probably would have put Paris in there ahead of Katie Robinson just because she's got a little bit more experience. But having said that, I will not have anyone argue with Serena Wiegmann, right? She is <laughs> the Don. And that's including myself. I will do, I'll go full like Ed Norton and fight myself, you know, because right. like, shouldn't, shouldn't we go up against her? Serena Wiegmann, we trust. So, but it is going to be, I think, it's actually probably not a bad thing that expectations have been lowered because of the injuries to the key players that performed so well at the Euros. It's probably not terrible, but yeah, the optimism that I had um, when the draw came out and everyone was still fit has just waned a little bit. But as I say, we have the best manager in the world. Um, FIFA had, I think the last time we spoke about this, suggested there would be a blanket ban on... Um, European coverage of of the Women's World Cup, which seems so ridiculous, right? And and Infantino moralising about anything is obviously ludicrous. Um, But but what, do you know what the latest is? Like, I just presume it'll get sorted and it'll be on TV everywhere in Europe. Well, I think that the issue is, is that um, they're putting Europe into a sort of amorphous blob, but there's been different bids from every European country. The UK is at the higher end. Um, and hopeful that it will be sorted out. Yeah, it's. I think the the main. I think Susie Rack probably has already covered this on the podcast at some point. But the main issue is this is the first time the rights have been separated from the men. So no one, no one's actually ever put a sort of price on how much they're worth. So this is this is the issue. 
because usually it's bound up World Cups and men's and then the women's is kind of just thrown in as a sort of added extra. So it's kind of, so it's a, a, it's a, is it a positive thing that they've been split sort of in principle or not? Yeah, Yeah, no, it is. Because then you get, you know, um, I think you probably get, you know, more bespoke sponsorship. It's it's a lot of things. I mean, I'm not an expert on any of this, but I think it probably is because it is, you know, the numbers were were great, you know, for the Euros and also for the previous World Cup uh, in terms of viewership. I mean, that's another issue, especially in Europe, obviously the kickoff times aren't amazing. And especially for say ITV, that in terms of selling advertising, if you're kicking off at 9am in the morning, it's not quite as lucrative. So I think, yeah, there's just a lot to go into it. I'm obviously very hopeful that will be sorted out in this country and hopefully every country, because all of those European countries have teams that are, you know, one of the favourites to to do well. So it'd be a massive, massive shame if it if it didn't get sorted it, it out. Will, it will get sorted, won't it, it? Let's be honest. I think it, so. It will get sorted. But what a, what look is it, though, Robin, yeah. for the game? Well, Jenny Infantino is obviously trying to put it on the broadcasters saying they're not offering enough money. And he's saying you're disrespecting the women's game. <laughs> um, but, like, I mean, he uh, might be right. Like, a stop clock is right. He might right? Be. You know, like, he, he yeah. might be right. It's just interesting um, but, that he's he's now concerned with it when it comes to <laughs> the financial side. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, we'll yeah. see what we will see what happens, but like we're all very hopeful, of course, uh, that gets sorted. While we're on the women's game, just to point you in the direction of a brilliant interview Don McRae did with our own Lucy Ward in the Observer. It's a brilliant interview, and just go and read it. Um, any other business? Belgium. This is great. Royal Antwerp. Uh, completing the Belgian League and Cup double for the first time in their history. Um, they were It all happened like last minute. It was sort of wild in Belgium. Uh, they were playing Genk, who could also win the league, as could Union Saint-Gilois. Um, and Union Saint-Gilois took the lead against Bruges, which meant they were top of the league, 46th minute. And then in the 75th minute, Genk went 2-1 up against Antwerp, which meant that Genk were in second. So when Bruges equalised against Union Saint-Gilois, and then took the lead, then Genk were going to be the champions, and they're playing Antwerp, and then Toby Alderweireld, out of nowhere, pings one into the top corner for Antwerp. Uh, and so they win the league. I hope you followed all that, but it, it is worth How digging out Toby, that goal. How old is by the way? Toby Alderweireld has always been 34. Toby? He's always been 34 <laughs> since the moment he started playing to now. Um, uh, what do you reckon, 37, Alderweireld? He oh, is 34. He's 34. He's only 34. <laughs> wow. Who is 34? Toby Alderweireld is 34, yes. This is now just two old men shouting in a cafe, <laughs> Troy, isn't it? He's 34. <laughs> oh, he's not. Uh, anyway. Wow. Uh, okay. Dig, okay. Dig that out. Um, uh, Matt says, please talk about the fifth tier Spanish playoff final. Absolute carnage played in a bog. I sent you this video. I don't know if any of you had time to watch it. The uh, Tercera Division, Salamanca versus... Uh, San Andrao, uh, the rain and hail forced the game to be stopped on several occasions. But San Andrao won uh, 2-1. And I think the winning goal was a diving header just into like a, it's just like, it's like a slip and slide. And then the celebration, just absolutely brilliant. Um, I actually thought it was old footage when you sent it. And I thought, why is he sending this? <laughs> like, why do I need to watch this old footage? Like, and then, yeah, read the oh, comment on it. And yeah, brilliant. Uh, Ed says, can we have a special mention for the Central Coast Mariners and the Cum Dog? Um, uh, uh, that is a man called Jason Cummings, who did play for the Socceroos, I think, at the, the World Cup. Scored a hat-trick in the A-League final as uh, Central Coast smashed Melbourne City. 6-1 in the final. Here's hoping Inter can provide a repeat and the City group get pushed back in their global domination ambitions. Uh, he's quite a character, is Jason Cummings. Um, and, uh, yeah, sort of entertaining social media uh, fodder. I would say. Uh, Matt says, Dear Max and Co, I had a vasectomy today and specifically left around 30 minutes of the last pod to listen to whilst it was happening. Unfortunately, I forgot my headphones and had to endure small talk about summer holidays while the doctor became increasingly agitated about the position of my right tube. Home now and have listened to the pod. Wish all the best to the other pod listener who's going in on June the 16th. Best advice is to go tighter than you think you need on the pants. Um, thanks for another great season of podcasts. Have a great summer, Matt, age 39 and seven months. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Well done. Congratulations, Matt. Uh, Is it time for the- a bespoke vasectomy 
podcast because well, there's this, you're racking them up, aren't you? Well, interestingly, and I forgot to uh, mention the Guardian Football Weekly book, but there is an entire section devoted to vasectomies. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you, can that, uh, <laughs> you can pre-order that. You can pre-order that. I'll uh, tweet out the link probably every day for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> Adam says, finally, a howdy, Max and team. After last week's pod mentioning Wolf from Gladiators, I was reminded that I used to serve him regularly at the blockbuster video I worked at in Kent in around 2002, 2003. I'm not sure if he had some type of deal with Blockbuster or my store manager, but he was definitely on the staff scheme for free rentals and confectionery discounts. Plus, on several occasions, late return fees were wiped with no questions asked. Always a nice guy, although much shorter than you'd expect from the telly. I still wouldn't fight him, though. Love the pod. Keep up the great work. Adam, so there we are. Wolf owes Blockbuster. <laughs> £9.20 in late Some of the nothing perks. worse than nothing worse than finding a video you hadn't taken back for three weeks was it's a there. perk the um, current gladiators won't be able to, uh, to no, partake in is it absolutely right it's not what it used to be not as good as it used to be is it did you say Robin you went to the filming of gladiators I did it was my favourite show ever my dad took wow. me along and uh, yeah it ruined it <laughs> you're basically watching people put up and put away equipment for most of the day uh, so yeah the magic was ruined slightly really? nice gesture, it doesn't go but... it doesn't go straight from hang tough to the wall does it that's what I no. thought oh. but, uh, clearly not wow <laughs> hours and hours of yeah did get a phone stage finger, though, management we... there yeah. you go also you know. Clattenburg Mike Dean yeah. Surely, yes. has to replace John Anderson. Surely, it's, it's a good point. Actually, it's a good point. Well, Not decision's been made. I know it's all Mike <laughs> Riley's fault, almost certainly. Anyway, that'll do. That'll do for today. Uh, thank you, Troy. Absolute pleasure as always, Max. Thanks, thank Barry. You. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Cheers, Max. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday after the Europa Conference League final between West Ham and Fiorentina and to look ahead to the Champions League final. Football Weekly is produced by George Cooper. Our executive producer is Christian Bennett. 